from Graceland. It's Austin Butler Podcast, a show within a show about the man who would be king. Um, it is also Austin Danger Podcast, a podcast <laughs> about the people who brought us one of the great film trilogies of all time. Folks, the day has come. As I always say, the wait is over. It's over. At the bottom of the hour, we will be discussing one of the most unique, strange, <laughs> talked about, and in my opinion, best films of the year, Baz Luhrmann's epic Elvis. Hell yeah. Um, we're obsessed with this movie, if it wasn't clear <laughs> by the last six weeks of our show. Um, and we can't wait to talk about it. But first, first of all, as always, I'm Kev. I'm joined, as always, by Mackenzie. Hello. Hello. We got too excited. We're just, we're like, who cares? Huge they know who week. we are. Huge week. Huge, huge. There's a lot to get into. But first, I got pinged in the Austin Nature podcast DMs <laughs> the other night about a movie starring Emma Thompson on Hulu. Yes. Little did I know, hours later, a five-star review would come down the pike from Letterboxd. <laughs> Mackenzie, what is the name of this movie? And if you could tell the nice people about it. Yes, good luck to you, Leo Grand. Right. Is the new... Emma Thompson movie, it is a deep shame that it has sort of silently just sort of slipped onto Hulu uh, with no advertising. Right. It was it was kind of a little Sundance baby, I think, right? And Hulu acquired it? Um, something like that. But it's one of these Searchlight Hulu releases that, like, they may as well have never put it out at all. You know, Disney. <laughs> no advertising. It's almost as if the Walt Disney Company is trying to tank 20th Century Studios' performance so that they can justify Ooh. liquidating it down the road. Hmm. Ooh. Curious how stuff like that happens. Nightmare Alley. But I put it on. All I know is people were calling it the horny Emma Thompson movie. And I said, I love Emma Thompson, so let's <laughs> get into it. Because uh, she's amazing. And I, I don't know. I, I put this in my review. And our dear friend Brandon mentioned that he loved that I had said this. Where I just said, I don't know why. But this just hit me exactly right tonight. And sure. Um, that's where that five star comes from. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's objectively a five star movie, but I, I do think that like last night, I just, I loved it. <laughs> it is, um, it is exactly like a play in all the ways I love. It mm. is, it's a two hander with amazing writing, phenomenal performances, the directing and the score just like do this dance together in a really beautiful way. The score just really uplifts the really intimate and interesting directing how the director kind of holds on their faces so you can watch them react to each other and when you're in these initial scenes this trepidation like for the for anyone that doesn't know the plot is emma thompson is a widowed school teacher who hires a, sec a young sex worker to have sex with her and so there's this kind of trepidation and this nervousness and you feel like you're like in there with them and it's mm. so good and uh I, I do think a lot of people are saying this and i fully agree that it, the biggest shame of this not getting a bigger release is that when people like look back at this movie, I think people will feel it as a career best for Emma Thompson. Whoa. She, genuinely. Like, I mean, and she's an amazing actress. I think this will top 
some one of her like this will be absolutely i think considered one of her best performances of her career it, it's so good she is so funny in this she's so sexy she also has that like she plays this unlikability in a way that you still care about her she's she goes into these deep emotional pockets that like just hit you like a train like she's just so good in it it's really really weird um that they wouldn't have really pushed that star power because she's amazing and this kid who's with her daryl mccormack he's like the hottest guy i've ever seen in my life he's just beautiful he has an irish accent and he is phenomenal he is meeting emma where she's at and he is giving just as much of a good performance as her um, so I'm sorry that I'm like talking my ass off about this movie, but um, it, it's really good. It's a two-hander. It's only an hour and a half. It's not a huge commitment. Um, I don't know. I just, I really dug it. I don't know why. I just really was like, fuck, I dig this movie. So five stars. Why not? Huh. A low commitment, two-hander, 90 minutes. That's already like three and a half stars for me, and I haven't there even watched go. this thing yet. Maybe I'll check there it out. Lot, I will say there's a lot of sex, a lot of nudity in the third mm. act, if that's not, if that's not your bag. Uh, but it definitely has a lot to say about sex work and like the stigma the stigmas we put around sex workers and like how much better our society could be if we just destigmatized and legalized sex work to make everyone safer uh, it has a lot of like commentary as well baked into the script i can feel a bit heavy-handed but didn't bother me too much word uh definitely not the kind of movie that i would seek out myself like no alone, for sure <laughs> right it's, it's a weird but, one but i don't know i said that about plenty of other movies this year and they've all been pleasant surprises so maybe i should check it out um, but yeah, I mean, I watched a bunch of movies that week, but that was the big one. And I don't want to take up too much time because we got a big show. I know. So Kev, what did you watch this week? Yeah. You know, um, it's funny. My big movie this week is going wide this weekend to a handful of cities, including Chicago. There you go. It's a oh. brand new movie from A24 and a bunch of different little production oh, companies. Oh, yes. And our old pal Slim hosts a 70 millimeter on the Letterboxd show just dropped a five-star review joining my five-star review on Letterboxd. Oh. That's right. Marcel the Shelf with Shoes On. Fuck. The movie from Dean Fleischer Camp. so bad. Good Lord, I want to see this movie so bad. Yeah, it's like, you know, I heard the movie was coming when the first clips by Dean Fleischer Camp and Jenny Slate went viral. They were like, oh, they're going to do a movie. And that was, I don't even know how long ago that was, to be honest <laughs> with you. And it's kind of surreal to to have it done and it's a really beautiful really charming very nice movie um a pretty you don't think the stakes are high until you're in it and then you get very emotionally involved but like honestly it is if i if i want to put a big hyperbolic statement it is the indie paddington hmm. it is indie american films answer to paddington in terms hmm. of like uh, satisfying high emotion very nice kind of warm feeling and then just nice catharsis at the end it's we wild need that we need that yeah if i'm you, sorry if you, but is jenny slate saving the movies because that's what it feels like everything ever all at once i forgot she was in it until i saw it again last yeah. week yeah <laughs> jenny slate has saved cinema <laughs> i think so so if you don't know the story of Marcel the Shell from the viral video or any of the trailers, it's about a little shell that lives in an Airbnb with his his Nana Connie. And an amateur filmmaker uh, meets Marcel because he's renting out the Airbnb and starts to post these little videos online that soon gain traction and become like a national phenomenon and so on. 
It's really beautiful, really moving. It's also kind of like, you know, it, it is what it is. So it's, it's hard to describe, but mm. uh, highly recommended as it starts coming out wide throughout the summer. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is awesome. I am so excited to see this movie. I just, oh, I love Jenny Slate. We're big Jenny Slate fans in my house. Yep, awesome major uh, podcast I, loves. <laughs> loves Jenny. Um, I listened to a really great, just tiny tangent, um, a podcast called Keep It. They interviewed Jenny Slate, and I was listening to it today. And I love that Isabella Rossellini is in this movie so much. And Jenny Slate said that, like, she got the script and she was just like confused <laughs> and she was like what is this little shell <laughs> and then her kids were like no you got to do this people love it on the internet and so like her kids like kind of explained marcel to her that's amazing and then like convinced her to do it and jenny slate was saying how like apparently there's scenes in a garden question yeah. mark i have not seen the film that's isabella rossellini's garden and they went and like filmed at her house and she made them like a feast and they just like spent the night at isabella rossellini's house that's amazing that sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Just walking in, seeing pictures of Ingrid Bergman. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, I'd lose my mind. That's great. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see Marcel. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, everybody should go check it out. Because it's going to be great. Um, what else do I have this week? I saw Marie Antoinette by Sofia Coppola. Um, let me tell you, that movie matters a lot to people who saw it at a certain point in their lives. And that's great. Um, this almost 30 year old man, not amused. Um, I, I wish it was more in one direction or another. It seems to not really know what to do. Um, there's anachronistic songs used, but there's no continuation of that vibe. It's essentially like the Amadeus vibe with like mm-hmm. punk songs in it. And it's like pick a lane. And then it's like has mean girl stuff in it. Not like, but you know what I mean? Like survival of the fittest Me getting more interested with each going uh, (laughs) sentence, you say? You should Mm. try it out because I'd be curious. It's on Hulu until Uh, the end of this month. I want to watch more Coppola. It was not what I expected and less, actually. (laughs) I was like, I couldn't believe it. But then again, like, um, you know, I had just seen Marcel that day and I wasn't really in the mood to leave my apartment. But I don't want to take up too much time either. Well, I think it's time we flip the channel and turn on the... What does it all mean, Basil? Oh, breaking Austin news. Actual some Austin news. Goldmember, uh-huh. on the eve of its 20th anniversary, Austin Powers and Goldmember will be leaving HBO Max at the end of this month. <laughs> and you may ask yourself, Kevin, New Line Cinema is owned by Warner Brothers, right? And I would yeah. say yes. Uh, doesn't New Line, they produced Austin Powers, right? And I would say yes. You could ask, where is it going? And the answer is, I don't know. Nobody knows. We'll find out in August, I guess. Well, Spy Shagney also left. Yeah, the first so two now left HBO in Max, June. Yeah, I just like, what's going money. on? HBO Max, get your act together. I think they're trying to build up the pent-up demand. They saw the Pentaveret and then acted very slowly in terms of they trying to like, drum up oh, demand. Oh, maybe people want that Austin Powers 4 now. <laughs> I don't know if they're like the road that. to A4, baby. God. Austin Powers 4, but it's all in the volume. That's your, like, genie wish curse. Um, But that's really all I got. You know, Seth has his ape NFT. Uh, All is right in the world. The Michael York house is still up for sale, I'm sure, or closed or whatever. 
That's OG Austin news. Wow. Yeah, that's the real shit. That's the deep cut right there. <laughs> uh, Austin Butler news. We love him. That's the news. That's the news is I'm in love. He's the man. He's incredible. <laughs> the The fake Elvis voice is fucking insane, though. He it's needs so to good. stop doing it. <laughs> we get it. You were, You became Elvis for a long time. He's my boyfriend now, so I won't judge him. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, the press tour is over. Elvis is the number one movie in the country. Congratulations to us. Congrats. Um, we did it. Boz, that'll be, uh, I'll take 35%. We'll split. How about that? <laughs> well, aren't we moving? They're moving out to, because they went to Japan like last week, right? They're, they're moving out to more, to a right. wider release. Elvis sure. is opening up internationally this weekend and a few other places. I think it did okay overseas. And, well, we uh, talked about in our in our DMs. We mm-hmm. talked about. I was like, I, I I'm sort of curious what Baz's last films have done, and he seems to always do better overseas. He's like almost generally double the revenue overseas. So it seems like he definitely has a big fan base outside the U.S. That help that will definitely help bolster that worldwide gross for Elvis. True, true. I mean, Gatsby had Leo, the, yes. the Boz and Leo reunion. It had the great Gatsby. It had the 20 stuff. It had the Jay-Z stuff. It had a lot going for it. So it did great. Yeah. I don't think Elvis is going to do great Gatsby. No. Numbers. <laughs> um, maybe word of mouth will carry it out. It was able to beat Top Gun Maverick. It was, again, the number one movie. So That's who knows? shocking. Yeah. By I a think little it'll, bit. I think it'll definitely match Moulin Rouge's um, revenue. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. I think the drop going into week two is going to be the usual drop, though. I'm not optimistic about that. You'll already <laughs> know listening to this how it did. Yeah, um, we it's the will. benefit of being a fan of Austin Danger podcast is you get to live five days in the future from us at all times. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really it. The movie's out and we're going to talk about it in a little bit. And I should say, I should preface if this is not obvious, but the fact that this is not that this entire episode is about Elvis 2022. This will be a spoiler full conversation that we that's are having. Right. We will be talking all of our thoughts. We will. I mean, here's the thing. It's weird because it's a biopic and you can kind of Google literally all of this because it's literally a person's life. But, I, you know, spoilers for the specific choices and the specific ways these events were kind of given out, you know. Spoiler full convo. Want to preface? Yeah. Trust us. There are plenty of surprises in Elvis. Yes. Things you think you know or think you know how it was portrayed. Um, surprises you do not want to miss. So uh, I will also say what I said last week. If you're going to see Elvis, try to see it in Dolby. I don't know what yes. that situation is like. I mean, July 4th weekend seems like you'd want to put another movie in there about a plane or something. Um, but. <laughs> Again, if you can find it, I would love to see Elvis in 4DX. I feel like that would be such a nightmare. All the sweat just yeah. all over you. Just getting spat out at you. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but anyway. No, yeah, I agree. I agree with what you said last week after I have now seen it. Um, where, like, if you have any interest, try to see it in a theater just because it's such a fun experience to see physically in a, in a big old screen. Right. Um, but if you don't like Baz Luhrmann and you have no interest, then save yourself the money and the time. Hey, if you don't want to see Morbius, something. <laughs> if you don't want to see Morbius, don't go see Morbius. What are you doing? It's yeah, not going to so, be funny. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of dead doves on Elvis, and it's like, look, if you if you if you went in not wanting to like it, you're not going to like it. I can guarantee. But if you're one of us crazy people, and you have if, to be crazy, if you are as much of a loon as Kevin and I are, then uh, definitely go see it in a theater. 
But if you saw the movie or if you truly don't care, you're waiting until August 8th and you don't care about spoilers, you want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, I would go to a, a stable or something. But if you want to hear us review it. Oh, you silly. You it's silly time. Billy. It's time. It's fucking time. It's go time, I would say. Mackenzie, we have decided to split synopsis duties this week in a rare collab. This is a very Collabing. special week. Because you don't know what my half says, and I don't know what your half says, so we get to just sort of see if this sounds right. We'll figure it I out. I love it. I'm so this, excited. Look, Austin Danger podcast was built on a foundation of sand in a good way. It's always changing. You never know what it's going to be. We're just, we're vibing. We're vibing. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Freedom, beauty, truth, love. These are the ingredients that make a Baz Luhrmann picture and the tenets to which we observe the odyssey created by King Baz of the King of Rock and Roll. A film that attempts to view Elvis as not only the man, but the myth and indeed the legend. Through the eyes of the selfish Colonel Tom Parker, in Elvis's earliest days, he lives in a predominantly black neighborhood in Tupelo, Mississippi. It is here where he first hears rhythm and blues, and most importantly, gospel, the music that would go on to define his career. Cut to many years later, where Colonel Tom Parker seems one of Elvis's first performances after a hit recording of That's Alright Mama. He sees the raw talent, charisma, and influence over an audience that this young singer possesses. He convinces Elvis to come under his wing, and he manages the young singer through many of his early years as his signature style begins to develop and make waves. As he gains popularity with numerous hit songs, he becomes the face of debauchery and rock and roll, and frequently lands himself in hot water as he attempts to stay true to himself. But this doesn't stop the money from rolling in. During this time, he buys Cadillacs, Graceland, and truly changes his family's life. Attempting to revamp Elvis's image to an all-American boy following an indecency arrest, Colonel Parker has been enlisted in the United States Army. The stress of losing her child in this way sends Elvis's mother to an early grave, a loss that would define the rest of his life. But in the midst of this loss, he also meets, in a very, uh, muddy way, his future wife, Priscilla, <laughs> and returns to the States after the war to truly dive into the world of Hollywood. After a few years churning out movies, Elvis found himself unable to prove himself as a dramatic actor, instead forced into higher performing cheesy musicals and low-rent comedies. In order to revitalize Elvis's music career, the Colonel makes a deal to air a comeback special that Christmas on NBC. Elvis, heartbroken by the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy, seeks to make a political statement, while the Colonel promised his sponsors a Christmas spectacular complete with the Hitcom Santa Claus. The two clash, but Elvis wins out in the end, reaching back into his roots in order to provide his greatest hits, as well as that declarative statement, the song called If I Can Dream, at the end of the special, and his career is revived. 
The Colonel immediately capitalizes on this by locking Elvis into a multi-year contract at the International Hotel in Las Vegas, which the movie claims to pay off Colonel's gambling debts. It's complicated. Elvis tries to fire the Colonel, but a threatened lawsuit for every single cent paid over Elvis's career backs the Presleys into submission. Locked in a gilded cage, Elvis becomes addicted to prescription drugs and enters a spiraling nosedive. Priscilla leaves, taking young Lisa Marie with her. On August 16, 1977, at just 42 years old, Elvis dies of a heart attack in his room at the International. Then, we see Austin Butler in fat Elvis makeup, and it looks funny for a minute until you see the real Elvis footage, and your jaw drops to the floor. As the credits begin to roll, we learn that the Colonel spent his final years wasting his fortune at slot machines, wandering around as he did this entire movie, and Elvis, to this day, is the best-selling solo artist of all time, his legacy enduring forever. And that is Boz Lerman's Elvis. I'm all chilled up. I can't believe. We did it. We did it. We did a duo. We duetted. That worked out. That worked out. It did. Out. It did. I'm proud of us. We did great. <laughs> the show's over. Bye, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously off the top, we're fucking obsessed with this movie. <laughs> this deeply, deeply weird, insane you movie. You are like, I, I'm, I can't tell, but I think that you have gone into a deeper level you have you are you're like mole man deep right now with Elvis. <laughs> Could you care to explain yourself? Because you saw it twice. I had made some plans. My girlfriend wanted to see it. I had some friends who wanted to see it, and uh, I like going to movies alone. So I was like, okay, Thursday night, five p.m. I'll go right after work. The first Dolby screening because I'm a freak. And then on Sunday, we'll take my friends and we'll go and we'll make a day of it and it'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected to love the movie. I did not expect to be totally fascinated and, and taken by all of its weirdness and uh, and its beauty and its excitement and uh, really just moved emotionally by it. Uh, mm-hmm. I expected to be moved by it, but again, not to this level, not in this way. Um, and then I saw it again. And I, it was, it's a total sugar rush the second time. It's mm. like eating too much cereal or something, you know, as a kid <laughs> or like eating too much chocolate and you get a stomach ache. I yes. left it like, uh, like I had been on the theme park ride or something. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am like counting the days until August 8th. It's, this is my Top Gun Maverick. I love that for Where you. the theater experience is crucial to it. It's a great big vision. In a lot of ways, it's a swan song of sorts from Baz Luhrmann, who, like we've talked about on the show, has said on the press tour that this might be it. Um, it's an amazing performance by Austin Butler. Oh, a performance that needs to be seen to be believed and yes. analyzed by Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not uh, Morbius level, like people like to say, no. but um, weird. And uh, the the musical numbers are everything you would want from a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. No, I really dug it as well. I, like, 
maybe this is the place to start. Austin Butler, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? That is, like, I am astounded by the performance he gave in this movie. And and I saw someone and I agree with it. Like, his performance is almost too good. Like, it, like the movie doesn't even quite reach the level he is at. Like, he is... Sure. So good in this movie. Like, it was amazing to me. And I think when he, there was this moment, it was like, he just plays all the facets of this character so beautifully. And he's, he feels so lived in and natural. There's nothing that feels like a caricature or even an impression. It just feels like you are watching Elvis. Like, I literally could not remember what Elvis actually looked like, quote unquote, because I just am like, this is Elvis. This is who I'm seeing right now. And especially when we start shifting into post-war, I think they added a little weight on his cheeks. And yes. there were moments where I could have thought, like, that is literally just Elvis. Like, it is it's it is amazing. He is so... Yeah. He is so perfect. And there are so many people that were shitting on him and doubting him. And even if you don't like this movie, I think every single person is walking away from this movie being like, that was an, even if I didn't dig this, that was an incredible performance. Absolutely. And I love that. He deserves it. It's so good. It is a miraculous performance from such a young actor who mm-hmm. I completely forgot he was Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. One of my favorite movies of the last few years. I really love it a lot. And uh, that blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. You know, um, due to the pandemic, again, Tom Hanks got COVID in Australia to prepare for this movie. <laughs> and it's one of those that got shut down in the really early days. So he got an extra two years to really prepare, or I guess a year and a half to prepare for the role and it shows mm-hmm. you know it's one of those biopic performances where the spirit of the person really feels deep in the heart of the performer uh, there's this amazing. story it's going to go down in Oscar press tour history <laughs> of Austin hearing hearing that Elvis was going to happen as a movie going to try to audition, doing tapes and having it not work. Denzel Washington, who had appeared on Broadway with Austin Butler in The Iceman Cometh, calling Baz Luhrmann and saying, hey, you need to check this kid out. He's going to be a big deal, which happened. It's one of those things, like many of the events in the movie that you can't believe happened, but it's true. Then Austin learns that Elvis lost his mother at the exact same age that Austin lost his mother to cancer. And so he sings... Um, He sings Unchained Melody on the acoustic guitar in a bathrobe. And here we are on our silly Austin Powers podcast (laughs) talking about him. In a way, this film is, uh, when I sort of, I didn't think about it at the time. It wasn't this conscious thing, but I've looked back and gone, it's, it it ends up feeling Feeling. like a love letter. Well, yeah, yeah. And, And it ends up feeling sort of like this love letter to my mom and to Elvis and his mom. Uh, you know, because cause this, this is the biggest void I've ever felt in my life was losing her. And yeah. uh, and she was my best friend. And uh, I, you know, I've never experienced that type of unconditional love. And, and I probably never will of, of a mother. And, and you know, uh, uh, a sense is what I mean. But and, and I know that that's how Elvis felt. And so listening to him talk about how it like made him feel so connected to Elvis in a way, like in a different way, not as a performer and not as, you know, a 
a celebrity, but as like a son, a son who grieved right. his mom. Like it's it's really it's just great. Like I know that they're really hammering in the press tour stuff, but now that I've seen the performance, I'm like he's earned it. I want to know more about this kid. Like I don't give me all the dramatic. You were in the hospital because your legs hurt so bad. I don't care. You worked your ass off and the thing is i can see when i'm watching the movie how much work he did but it still doesn't feel overwrought like i can see how much work he must have put into this and it only makes it better he's just so good like it's like mind-blowing to me how good he is in this movie like i cannot believe that someone was able to to give such a wonderful biopic performance i mean we've talked about it i don't love biopics and even in the ones i like like i tanya i love I never felt like Margot Robbie like embodied the spirit of Tanya no, Harding. But, she was but, playing a character and in a good way. Yeah, I think I think in I Tanya, there's a lot of so in Elvis. We'll talk about it. Sorry, but the plausible deniability is created by having it through the eyes of the Colonel. Yes, and I Tanya, the plausible deniability is created because it has a very sarcastic tone. Yes, and and Robbie's performance fits in with that tone more than it does exactly. the reality. It's a great performance. A great performance for what is going being gone for there, but it's not trying to capture the true Nancy Kerrigan. You know what I mean? No, and when I when I like there, like I said, there were moments just watching him on screen where I was like, he is Elvis. Mm-hmm. Like I just it's, I mean, like I said, the when it kind of shifts to that middle part of his life, like looked so much like him. And every time he was on stage, it's just, I mean, I, don't, I feel like there's so much to talk about. Maybe the, I mean, one of my favorite performances he did was Suspicious Minds. I mean, that's, that is a fucking get on your feet performance from Austin Butler yeah. when he does Suspicious Minds. And there's, there's a lot of reasons why it's one of the motifs in the movie. Obviously it's used to uh, highlight that he should have had a suspicious mind about the fucking colonel. <laughs> yes. Um, but that performance, that centerpiece performance is just like amazing. And there's a great blend of the vocals as well, because at that point in Elvis's yes. career, they were using a mix of Austin's voice and the real Elvis versus like it favors Austin in the first half and then favors Elvis un- until they use his recordings in the second half. I, I like think that's it works totally for me like there was never a moment where I was like this isn't this isn't Elvis and also even when he was doing just Elvis there was never a moment where I was like this isn't coming out of his mouth right now like right. he he he's a great lip syncer he's so physical like he it's he doesn't just lip sync with his mouth and his head he, he lip syncs with his body and that's mm-hmm. what really helps sell it I think for me um he has a great Elvis singing voice honestly even for that early stuff sounds that's true just like him to me that's true. And I grew up listening to a lot of Elvis music. It was great to, you know, I came to this as a Boz fan first. And A, it's mm. been great to discover Elvis mm. in period. Like I'm reading the books and I'm listening to a ton more. And I watched the comeback special, which was mind blowing, crazy stuff. But um, it, it, it's great to be able to detect what version of the song it is. <laughs> Mm. Like, oh, you're using this live version because of this Elvis tick that's there. And Austin catches it and performs it. It's amazing. Perfectly. It's it's, just, it's uncanny. Like, even those little, you're right, it's these like subtleties, these tiny ticks. Me and Rachel were saying we love when he's kind of in his goofy, like, fuck around Elvis. Like, when he's just with his friends. So it's like, not even a shot where he's necessarily, like, the focus, but he is so... He's living in it so well that, like, every movement is so natural. It works so well. It's amazing. I, uh, <laughs> how about the, 
the movie is covered in Bozisms, but one oh, yes. of the first, I mean, like the the one of the first big ones was the boy having the sexual awakening watching Elvis. I did see that. <laughs> I said, "All right, Baz, you're okay, gonna Baz. give it to us a little bit, okay." Especially thinking that's a politician's son. That definitely right, tracks. right. Oh yeah, that was the evil, uh, yeah, the Confederate the guy. Confederate guy, which is so, like so funny i don't know i'm trying to figure out how to like contain all the thoughts we have i know um, it's almost as if a Boz Lerman movie is loud and disorganized <laughs> and i feel disorganized um know that the that so i've said it before i think but i'm from memphis <laughs> i don't know if i've mentioned but you know elvis is a huge part of culture when you grow up in memphis he is he is maybe not as much anymore but when i was a kid he was kind of inescapable like he he is everywhere. His music is everywhere. Everyone that raised me, you know, was connected in some degree to him or people who knew him. Like, it's just, he's a big deal growing Wild. up in Memphis. And it was, I wish they had done more Memphis stuff just because I love Memphis so much. But I want to say it was really cool to see the places that are so close to my home. Like, I live really close to Beale back my mom's house. Um, and it looked like Beale. And it just was really cool to see that and, like, um, you know, B.B. King really is the, the king of, of Beale. He, he really is the king of Memphis in a, in a real sense. And so it was cool to see him. And like, I mean, and, and, and I wanted to say that that place where the Confederate guy was at, the Overton Shell, is literally next to my house. And uh, it is now called the Levitt Shell. I, don't, I think someone might have bought it. And they just do like concerts there now during the summer. And it's literally like down the street from my house. Whoa. And I thought, it just, I, I loved it's such a tiny detail that literally no one else cares about unless you're from Memphis and you're like, oh shit, that's the Levitt Shell. Uh, and it's in Overton Park, hence the old name. Um, and Overton Park is where like the Memphis Zoo is and that baseball field Elvis was at, I presume, was like the proto version of what is now Redbird Stadium. Like it was just cool to see the pieces of my home in this movie. Um, so I just wanted to shout out for if anybody else is listening that's also from Memphis, 901 crew. It just made me happy. And the Confederate guy reminded me of that. Oh, good. What a great oh, reminder God. of your <laughs> The Confederate home. man. The yeah. Confederate man. I mean, man. last time I went to Nashville, there was Confederate flags on a bunch of trucks. Whoa. And me and Rachel were like, ha we're in danger. That little Ralphie <laughs> meme. Uh, so. <laughs> Tennessee for you. I thought that there was a lot of great, you know, you go to a bi- any biopic, you don't expect accuracy, right? And, and it's a Boz Lerman movie as well, so even more abstracted. Plus, it's through the lens of the Colonel, which creates, again, gives us some benefit of the doubt, some plausible deniability about the interpretation of facts and stuff. But I thought that he did a great job of building the world uh, of the young Elvis that explained and called to where he came from to get the sound. Um, I do not think the through line to the second half of the movie is super strong. Although I like when he puts over Fats Domino and, uh, you know, the the climax of that storyline is the If I Can Dream in the Christmas special, which is mind-blowingly incredible. It's my <laughs> yes. criterion moment of the year. For Synonauts listeners, I don't think anything is going to top. Like, the second time I saw it, my heart left my chest and floated around. <laughs> Deep in my heart, there's a trembling question. 
Absolutely not stuff. I agree that I do. I thought the world building was good. There's that amazing. I mean, that people kind of were making fun of that moment in the beginning with little Elvis going to the revival and hearing gospel. But they, but on the press tour, they're saying they pulled that from an eyewitness. Like one of the boys that was his age who was with him told this story in that quote that like the the that the the pastor says of something like leave him because the spirits in him or whatever was like from this eyewitness literally the thing that was said and i just think so it's like so funny that like baz takes liberties in a lot of ways but then there's moments like that that seem like that's a liberty and it's just an eyewitness account of something that happened to elvis like the stuff that seems silly is real the movie is loaded with stuff like that yeah, and all that to say is, like, I like that, obviously, there's that acknowledgement of where his music came from and where his influences came from, which was the black communities he grew up in. Um, and I loved getting to see B.B. King, even if that was a pretty big liberty, right? That he they weren't, like, hanging out, hanging out all the right. time. And, um, and, you know, there's no, like evidence that he ever would have met sister rosetta tharp even though she's amazing like there, you know there's liberties taken there and i appreciate baz trying to include it into the story more but i agree that it's weak it doesn't feel followed through on it doesn't feel like even i wanted even more impact from the mlk moment like like mlk is such a like i know he wasn't from memphis but he he died in memphis and so that it feels like he's very personal to memphians in that sense because he was doing so much work in memphis so much amazing things in Memphis and then he died there. Like, like Memphians are still emotional about that. And I feel like someone witnessing that, I would have loved if that was supposed to be the climax of like his relationship with the black community in Memphis. It should have been more, but I also understand them not wanting to make MLK's death about a white guy. It's very conflicting. I don't know how they could have done it right. So I applaud the effort, but I don't know if it's 100% there. It's it's tough, yeah. I agree that everything is worth keeping, if yes. only for stuff like, again, the impetus for If I Can Dream, and then prepping the Vegas show, seeing him do That's All Right, Mama, and having it flash back to those moments. I mean, that's amazing. Was, like, otherworldly filmmaking, in my opinion. I... Really amazing stuff. Uh, I just wish that, you know, my big problem with the movie is that because it's the Colonel's point of view, which we'll get to, I'm sure as probably yeah, our last big, our last big conversation piece will be about that. But like, because of the choice to have it through the lens of the Colonel, he doesn't have to, he can't leave the country because he's the dark, you know, scrupulous Colonel. Um, so Elvis just goes away and nothing really happens. 
And then Elvis is sitting pretty making movies and presumably we're led to believe that not a lot happens. That's not quite true, but for the purposes of the story of Elvis and the Colonel, that's, that's what they chose to do. Um, And so as a result, I feel like there's two movies here, two movies that deserve to exist, but that don't tie in together as well as they should. We don't see a lot of it and or a lot more of it, I think, than we should have. Um, I agree. No, it feels very split. Mm. It feels, and I do think it's because of the narration choice, which we'll get into, but I do want to say to kind of wrap that idea up. And also because I know I would love to hear you talk about it, even though it was done messily, I love that we got to see some amazing performers. Cause the, I don't know who plays Rosetta Tharp, but she's phenomenal. And that little Richard cameo is <laughs> insane. And I know you really love it. I'm a big Little Richard fan. Anyone who knows me knows Little Richard is exactly uh, my kind of entertainer, and I'm a big fan. And the actor's name is Alton Mason, and it's, I believe, he said on his Instagram, his first performance in a movie. That's insane. Steals the whole movie out from under Elvis. (laughs) Absolutely insane work. Uh, And there's there's a a huge ensemble of amazing people. Cody Smith McPhee, who was nominated for the Academy Award. How do you think I feel? The kid who uh, wants badly to be Elvis. He represents country slouching towards Elvis as Elvis Mm -hmm. gets more popular. Um, Wish we could have seen him in part two. Oh, that's right. Faramir's in the movie. Faramir returned (laughs) from Moulin Rouge (laughs) after I had that realization last week. Also, the Duke from Moulin Rouge plays his dad. Oh, that's right. Honestly, the supporting cast for this is amazing. Yeah, Gary um, Clark Jr. Maybe Junior. before we get into the Colonel, like the the supporting cast is rocking. Bi- biopics are only as good, I think, as the ensemble around. So, I mean, Helen Thompson as Elvis's mother, because this is a movie about the Colonel, uh, not as not as major, but I think she squeezes everything out of her three handful of scenes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think they did a great job of of selling that connection. A bit. Again, it feels it's a about little focus. weird at times, like his oh, relationship with his mom. How about how about the groupie creepy. in the hotel room? And it yeah. doesn't cut back to like, his Dixie. It cuts back I to the mother. Feel that my son is fucking right now. Like, girl, what? Uh, yeah, they verged on some weird vibes, uh, and I do not know where that came from. But man, oh man, I did not realize going into this about Austin Butler's connection to Elvis Reed. They're both of their moms dying. Right. Not to mix Austin Butler back into this, but to to pull it to the mom, him crying in the closet, that scene, yeah. I mean, knowing the personal feelings that probably were going through him at that time make that make more sense. But like that is some amazing, amazing acting from Austin Butler in that moment. Re, you know, the mom's performance. And, and without that love we see from that actress, this moment doesn't feel earned, but it, it all it mixes so well. Austin's crying as Elvis is unbelievable. It's amazing. I didn't expect for Austin Butler's crying to not be funny. It broke my heart every single time. He is um, such a good crier. and he's It's amazing. Uh, we had as Mr. Vernon Presley, Richard Roxburgh. The um, Duke. Just a great useless like old sap. Yeah, he was around for a long time. He was very good. I was good. like, wow, that guy lived for a long time, huh? <laughs> and he did, and they were broke. Uh, I also want to say before we move on, BB King was played by Kelvin Harrison Jr., a really charming and lovely, really warm mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. read of the guy. 
again, a little apocryphal, really using uh, a performance used to bond some story elements together, but yeah. no less effective. It, it's Baz Luhrmann. It's not a news report, you know? Uh, yeah, and you can't talk about Memphis and Elvis without talking about B.B. King. I exactly. said earlier, he's, I mean, we, he's love Elvis, have been to Graceland, but B.B. King's who we have a statue of on Beale. Like, he is the, the king of Memphis, for sure. sure. So sure. I feel like you can't not have B.B. King around if you're going to talk about Memphis. The last member of the ensemble that we'd like to highlight is a, another performance that happens, um, a, 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 fair bits of it happen on the sidelines, and that is uh, the performance of... A shame. Olivia, I'm going to try it, De Jong, who uh, was up at, uh, in the Toronto International Film Festival Theater introducing the film with Boz and Austin just the other night, actually. Oh, nice. Um, which, which was very nice. Uh, gives us a pretty great performance with not a whole lot of material. She's yeah. given, I, I felt really bad for her because the Priscilla breaking up scene is so, like, uh, by the standards of this film, boring and bad. <laughs> I, I think she was so, like, underused. It's, like, annoying. I agree. <laughs> like, she was such a huge part of his life. And, and you know, I was messaging you, like, Baz had to take liberties in order to move the story. Like, he had other girlfriends. He had prominent girlfriends. We only see Priscilla. Some of those girlfriends are alive and speaking out <laughs> about the fact that they were excluded from the movie, which oh, is well. insane. But... You know what I mean? Like, Priscilla is, if, if she's the only love story we're going to tell, I feel like she should have been around more. And she was a huge part of his life. She was the mother of his child. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like a lot of the relationship building they skipped over. But also, he met her when she was 14. And yeah. I guarantee you they weren't just listening to records in, 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 her, in his bedroom well, when she yeah. was 14. But, so, you know, like... There's some... There's some ickiness there, uh, in re in terms of real life stand, in terms of real life stuff that we could talk about their relationship with that the movie does not lean into. I think I don't know if this can transition us to anything because I have kind of two big points I want to talk about the Colonel stuff, and then also like I've seen this levied against this film and I agree with it. It's very sanitized, Elvis. Sure. I'm not saying he was an evil man, but he was not a perfect Look, man. As far as we know, yeah. this is their Oscar movie of the year. They're trying to make a star with Austin Butler. It's going to be very clean. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I'm not saying he's a bad man, but he I know he wasn't the best, especially in certain points of his life. I mean, like they cut the whole Nixon stuff, which is a lot. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Boz said that he shot that. Apparently it's filmed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like, so that's like a whole maybe more problematic part of his life that we don't see. And, and it is pretty problematic when they, they they kind of gloss real quickly over the age difference between Priscilla and Elvis and they skip I think rightfully so to when she is more legal and their relationship is more legal but there's you know they could have gotten into that they could if they wanted to and they didn't like I, I feel like definitely the the um this Elvis is definitely like a shiny polished perfect ideal of Elvis and I don't know even if Austin Butler inhabits this role I don't know if it is to the core of who that man was. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, also it's tough because not to, this is, feels like a cop out to say, no, but okay. the family is all still alive yes. and relevant and they approve of this film. I, yes, Rachel, like the argument I'm sort of saying is, was one that my partner said to me that I agreed with. Sure. And that was also the thing I levied was like, they're probably not going to get into him and Priscilla's no nitty gritty way because Priscilla is like seeing this fucking movie as it's being made. Priscilla, like 
they are loving so much of the media on Priscilla's love of this movie. They were never going to overcomplicate them, I think. Because, yeah, it's it's weird when people's families are still around. You know what I mean? So, no, I fully agree that that might have been a reason for the sanitation of his hey, of his image. Yeah, sure. absolutely. And I mean, look, it destroyed Bohemian Rhapsody, which was going to be a hard-hitting biopic with Sacha Baron Cohen that Brian May almost turned into an infomercial for Adam Lambert Presents Queen or whatever they're touring as now, <laughs> um, for better or for worse. And instead, it became Walmart Freddie Mercury, right? <laughs> um, but the artist being involved helped Rocket Man, which was yes, I agree. sanitized, yes, as much as, but not as much as you'd expect. Uh, if you no. read Elton John's book, which was written by him, <laughs> it's an autobiography. Um, so a lot of that stuff happened for real, and a lot of it was meaner in real life. And he cops I mean, to I, it, and yeah, and that I'm, makes it better because you know if you don't have the artist involved, you wouldn't want to hurt them because they are still alive, and then you would pull a punch that maybe you wouldn't. Although again, Rocket Man is still a fantastical musical, you know. Rocket Man works really hard. I remember seeing a lot of people like that's a downside for them that he's involved. But I'm like, what a gift for an, a person to be able to put their own story on film. Honestly, like I would rather right. have the person, even if it's maybe too good of an image of them telling me their story than, than you know, people not being like. I doubt Freddie Mercury would have been happy. You know what I mean? If he had seen the way he was portrayed, and it would like what would have been different if he could have had an opinion about that. I mean, David Bowie has spoken out before he died and was like, I never want a biopic made about me. Do not do oh, that. Yeah. And, they, and they tried with that freaking Johnny Flynn thing. And it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, like just the artists. I, I do think that though this did not have that, the family being there kind of steps in for that, that feeling of connectivity and emotion and weight that was on Baz's shoulders to make a story that they could be proud of. Um, yeah, I know. I agree that that probably is why. Look, they put the guy in fat makeup. I got what I wanted. So I can't That's complain. It. That's it. Um, the last member of the cast we have to really talk about, and we've saved the most interesting possibly discussion for last here, is probably the most polarizing performance I've we've seen in ages. In a while, yeah. I don't think, like, I, I can't think of a performance recently that has been so polarizing. Is there a lawyer representing the family? Oh, unnecessary. I am of the firm opinion that family is the most important thing in the world. In mind of that, I have taken the liberty of making these contracts out in the name of Elvis Presley Enterprises, a family business. And I was thinking Vernon Presley, business manager. I liked Colonel Tom Parker in this movie. Hot take. Really? Now... Is it a deeply insane performance? Oh, yeah. Big time, right? It's crazy. But Colonel Tom Parker is crazy. Yeah. He's a Dutch guy who, who's trying to pass as a guy who grew up in West Virginia to varying success, depending on who it is he's talking to. Everything he says is a lie. Everything he says is misleading. Why wouldn't Tom Hanks? This is so this is such a stretch. <laughs> You're, I'm I'm standing here with you. I'm Why wouldn't you. Tom Hanks deliver a weird ass, strange performance? Why not? You know, I can't believe that Boz Lerman opened his eighty million dollar Elvis movie with the spiraling Star Trek nightmare of Colonel Tom Parker looking out the window. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't open on uh, Tupelo. 
Yeah. Or something. I I don't know if I am as behind his performance as you are, but I do have, like, because here's the thing. I expect a lot from Tom Hanks because he is an amazing actor and we've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. In recent years, we have seen some of the career best performances of that man. Like, there's that scene, is it in Captain Philip when he's, like, at the end when he's in the, like, in the, like, ER room and like just some of the best acting I think any actor's ever done ever. Yeah. I haven't seen then, Kevin Phillips, but yes. <laughs> but like, and then so I expect more from him. So this is a bad Tom Hanks performance. I definitely agree it's bad. Yeah, but like I also don't give a shit. <laughs> like it for me, it fits the movie enough to not bother me. And like, I, I do not think it is like movie ruining. Some people are acting like Tom Hanks showed up at their house and shot their dog. Like when they talk about him in this movie, I do not think it is as movie ruining for me as it seems to be for other people. Like he, he fits the weirdness. Like I would have much preferred him. Cause for me, I was actually thinking about, um, Ziedler and Moulin Rouge. I was like, going to bring that up. Yes. Shades I, of Ziedler I, for sure. We needed something more like lived in like that. Like, I think that if we had maybe gotten more Ziedler, that would have maybe worked for me. Um, maybe even that actor in this role would have worked a bit better. Oh, baby. Jim Broadbent. So like, so like, I don't think it's a good performance, but I don't think it's movie ruining. It fits the tone for me. And Elvis's performance brings the movie up enough for me that it just it came out in the wash for me i i do say i agree with people who say that it hurts the movie deeply and that the movie is great except for him it um, would have been a much better movie with a different person i agree or or a different approach but this is the movie we got so this you know what i mean which is why 90 I'm like, pounds of gizzard yeah. makeup on tom hanks to open the film i so i think that for me all of the movie's issues the the downsides i have with it all stem from him being the narrator yes i agree i think that is the weakest choice the movie could have made and i think that that the issues like the not going deep enough on this not seeing priscilla enough like all of these things could have been changed if elvis was our narrator and looking back on his life and colonel parker could just be a little villain i i really genuinely think the issues for me, all, the root of that little tree is the Colonel as the narrator. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I understand the intent, like both yes. as a thematic element and also the mechanics of getting a two and a half hour movie out of this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I bet, you know what? I think maybe that four hour cut that we'll never, ever see. Maybe <laughs> we don't see any more of the Colonel than we see in this cut and the movie's better for it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that Austin, and maybe he couldn't have predicted how good Austin would be, but, like, he's clearly the, he is the superstar in this movie, and it would have been cool to see more of him. I would oh, have yeah. just rather had Elvis tell his own story, and I think it could have been just as, you know, meaningful. I think that, from what I'm getting, Baz didn't necessarily want to make a movie about Elvis, but he wanted to make a movie about capitalism and exploitation and celebrity. It seems like that was more what he was interested in. And so maybe Colonel made more sense for that, for that directorial approach. I just, I don't think it was the strongest. I think you kind of have to choose between, are you making a movie about celebrity and exploitation or are you making a biopic? He had the same problems when it became time to tell the story of the great Gatsby. So no surprise mm. here. Um, he had a really awesome ideas for 20s shit 
and the marrying of the Jay-Z with the 20 shit was really, really inspired and creative. And then it became time to tell the narrative of the great Gatsby and you're kind of left hanging, uh, through some really weird shit just cause it's like, and, yeah. And I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like I never read the great Gatsby. I remember seeing that movie and I had a fine time. Like Baz, Baz's movies at their core, even if I don't love them fully, you know, for the various reasons we've discussed, I respect the shit out of them. And I always have a really good time. And it reminds me of the like the Wachowskis, how I feel like they also get similar flack as being maximalist directors. And I love them as well, because I would so much, any day of the week, rather have a director like Baz or the Wachowskis who swing wide and big and try. They try to bring a vision to the screen that is not boring and not cookie cutter. And so, like, I, you know, it, I, it makes me much more forgiving to Baz's movies as flaws because I just love the essence of him i love the bravery of him and i love the boldness of him so like i'm like oh this kind of sucked but like i still have a fucking awesome time you know what i mean so it's right like, yeah you know just went off just, on a tangent i'm sorry no you're fine just like many movies this year it's an auteur who is getting yeah. to kind of flex and spread his wings a little bit and tell a great big story in a way that you know a year or two ago i could have said would never have happened unless he did a, you know, a make good superhero movie or something, hmm. you know, uh, and Elvis in, in some ways is a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, just the way Boz would have done it, but um, it's always good to see them. I don't know how many more we'll get. Hmm. So it's always a big surprise and always a big event. So. And I mean, Austin Butler's going to, going to go on to do a lot. I am excited as hell to see him in Dune part two. Yeah. The road to Dune two has begun. I- I mean, I think that if anything, if anything comes out of this movie, I think it will be that Austin Butler is a superstar and this will mm-hmm. be a career making and defining role for him. Absolutely. And Tom Hanks in a three punch combo between <laughs> Finch and this and uh, Pinocchio Tom is just entering a surrealist phase of Tom, his career. Come on, Tom. Come. He should do a him and Meg Ryan need to do a rom-com together they again. need like, to do what was that fucking uh alec baldwin one that was just dire the was it something's gonna give yeah 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 i think they, so. they, like, something's gotta give they have to do one of those except like funny and good and then because you know i feel like we're getting a lot of not to pull back the curtain if you will but um we got that trailer for the new julia roberts george clooney rom-com and and it's like between the j-lo one we have sandy back in rom-coms we have julia back in rom-coms Tom, come home. Yeah, it's weird to Tom, see. Tom, take off the prosthetics and come home. <laughs> Get that gullet off and come home. <laughs> I, uh, it is weird to see that trend come back, right? Yeah, All this I'm stuff ready. that we thought had gone away. I don't know what the difference is or what has changed, but okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> beats, uh, beats Morbius, really. The truth is, we could talk about Elvis all day. We really could. But for now, it's time to wrap up the show. So, Mackenzie, final thoughts and your star rating for Boz Lerman's Elvis. I do want to say three quick things. We kind of did quick hits with um, election. I didn't take notes while I watched the movie, so that makes all this a bit more off the cuff. But three moments I love and I just want to shout out because, yes. Um, 
Viva Las Vegas meets Toxic by Britney Spears. Yes, thank you for calling it out. so good. And that sequence of him, like, walking down the bus and, like, lip-syncing to the camera while Toxic is happening. And he's like, Brad Love City gonna save my soul. And it's like... And it's like this weird introduction of the band. I wish there was more of that. That was the f- most fun I had the whole movie. <laughs> See, and it's toxic for his career because it's a cheesy oh, musical. Get it? That song is not on social media or on Spotify, and I'm pissed. I need it to be. I need to listen to it every day of my life. Boz, give uh, us the Lerman cut and then give us Boz, the toxic remix, please. Give it to us. Um, I also want to shout out his family-friendly show. Amazing pivotal moment for Elvis of him going on stage and deciding to be be raunchy uh amazing performance from austin butler in that scene and the shot of him just screaming i'm evil over and over again like he is such an animal on stage like like austin has this animalistic quality to him that is is raw and it's fucking awesome um and then i want to say the scene of him calling out the colonel on stage probably the best acting in a movie for me amazing scene yeah it's really Um, great so just wanted to shut those three scenes out because I love them. They didn't really fit anywhere else, but those were three moments I loved. Um, for the film as a whole, like, you know, I think it is maybe a sanitized ideal of Elvis. I obviously have some issues with the some of the choices that were made artistically that brought the film down for me. So it's maybe not the most useful Elvis film, but the Elvis film that, like, informs us the most of his life. But I had a fucking awesome time. I had an amazing time. I love Baz Luhrmann. Austin Butler's like transcendent performance elevates this to the levels it does for me. Baz's passion inspires me, and he's just a director I love. Between that and between Austin Butler, I am a stan now. I'm going to go with a shagadelic four stars for Elvis. Interesting. Interesting. Where are you at? I have a prediction, but I'm going to see where you land. I was in the hole for this movie like six weeks ago. Okay. Yes. And the truth is, is that pretty much all of the praise and criticism with, with, I mean, notable exceptions, right? But like, you know, Tom Hanks bad, Austin Butler amazing, movie weird. uh, That's all correct. The thing is, Austin Butler is really great. Yes. Tom Hanks is extremely bizarre. Yes. And the movie is deeply, deeply, deeply weird. Yes. Like many of my favorite movies, it is a movie that succeeds in so many ways and the ways that it maybe doesn't quite hit those highs are exceedingly bizarre. Just weird shit. Absolutely insane. Anchored by five or six amazing musical numbers and uh, uh, this Tom Hanks performance that um, he's going for something and I'm not sure what. Um, this is an unforgettable movie. It's the third movie since the pandemic that I would say is required viewing in a theater. Um, I think you should absolutely go give it a shot, but it's three hours. So if you leave, I get it. Absolutely. No question. This is up there with everything ever all at once. And RRR is one of the great events of the year. It's a, a absolutely knockout. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Five stars. Sorry, you were on the edge of your seat for like five minutes and I had to drag it out as long as possible. You said like three and I went, and you said hours and I went, oh, I was like tensing, waiting for this number. I (laughs) bet a friend the other night, our mutual friend, Pat, before you got on our D&D call, I went, I think Kev's going to come in five star Elvis on Wednesday. And I was right. Yeah, I mean... 
it's I not love the this most obvious. You. I genuinely uh, love this. It's not the hardest I, bet you could have made. I think on like future watches when I give less shits about the bad stuff, I'll start giving it five stars See, like I do with every Baz Luhrmann movie. The bad stuff plays into everything I love. A weird performance by a renowned actor. Come on. You didn't think I was going to love Tom Hanks. Uh, H on Dune I, Pod. Yeah. Dune Pod that went up last night said that he thought I gave it four stars and I like I scoffed at him in chat. I was like, H, please. What do you think this is? I want to see it again. I genuinely can't wait to see it again. I didn't have the time to do it twice in the weekend, but like I want to go see it again. I really like this movie. I I, I like I like loved more of it than I disliked. Sure. I, yeah. I agree with that. And there's so much going on. It's so dense. Like Elvis is in his room in the Continental when a news report plays of the Altamont killings during the the Rolling Stone concert, the kind of riot that had broken out Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. And like rock and roll is dying on TV while Elvis is in deep decline, locked in a cage in Vegas. And that's all happening in 13 seconds. Not even (laughs) in one shot in the hotel. Are you fucking kidding me? This movie's insane. I could I not believe my eyes and mind. Um, we is it are gonna... the sole Elvis lovers, I feel like, in our friend group. And I will stand arm in arm with you. If you hated this movie, please hate we... it. We love please. you and we respect you. Please. Um, yeah, nuts. Crazy movie. Highly recommend seeing it at least once. I think it's going to go nicely in 4K HDR on HBO, but... Again, oh. like Top Gun Maverick and like Dune, if you can get out to a movie theater, I think it one of the few movies where it would truly make a difference. Yes, I agree. But I cannot wait to be just pleasantly high in my in the comfort of my own home, blasting that movie on my TV. It's true. It's the best. I will do it weekly. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be scary the amount of times I watch Elvis this year, honestly. I genuinely just want to watch like the performances. I just want a supercut of those I can watch like every day. If I can dream, let's get it, please. Fuck me. (laughs) So good. Um, So with that, it's time to do our little show. I can't believe we have a little show. Oh my God. Yeah. This is a long, (gasps) I have to spin the wheel. I got to start, I got to start unlocking all the the bolts and the locks off the door. That's right. The intern's got to come in and wheel the wheel out. Oh my God. We got so much show. We got so much show people. You wouldn't even know. But first we're snowmen. That Shaw man and that snowman. <laughs> he was the Shaw man. I was the snowman. That's really honestly a good impression. Can I tell you? And I'm going to leave this in. Hello. There was a quote from someone who knew Colonel Tom Parker, and they were asked about the portrayal. And the only thing they said was, I didn't remember that voice per se <laughs> and i just think that's so fucking funny that like tom hanks made this choice why didn't elvis listen to me it's it's honestly when you do elvis you do a little bit of your share and when i do the elvis Colonel, is very close to share for me and when i do colonel it's tommy wiseau from the room. <laughs> yes. No, like i have like shares up here but then elvis is down here but they're basically the same voice for me in my brain I'm so lucky to have you as a best friend and to love Lisa so much. Versus, <laughs> like, you know, the snowman. Anyway, we've descended we into insanity. Show. We got a little show. We, we we've lost our, our minds because we love Elvis. Yeah. Um, as I said last week, I, I love, love gold. gold. Um, it's hard to say. I think guaranteed Austin Butler nominated Academy Award Best Actor, and I think he has a decent shot. 
I think, you know, there's that debate of, like, because it's early in the year, will it hurt him? But with the way the Academy has been the last couple of years, they love a music biopic. They love a biopic performance. And, you know, the, 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 the Academy just added 300 new people, so maybe this newer Academy will not go that direction. But um, I would be shocked if he didn't get a nomination, at least. We'll have to see. I mean, we have a lot of... We have a lot of strong performances in the second half of the year. But I think that everyone can agree with everyone else that outside of like a wild best song nominee, um, that's it. <laughs> Not to be rude, but uh, that's it. And that's what they and that's what they're positioning it as. You know, they'll wheel Tom Hanks out because the older audience loves Tom Hanks. And who wouldn't? He's great. But uh, yeah. this is about Austin Butler and making him a star. It really and is. And they're deeply yeah. invested because they wouldn't have put him in Dune otherwise. They would have gotten Barry Keegan, or however you pronounce <laughs> his name, who uh, was given the Joker in the new Batman, spoilers, as a consolation gift. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, well, I'm deeply it, excited to see Austin in, in Dune. That's all conjecture and speculation. If Warner Brothers wants to hire me, they can. After this glowing Elvis review, uh, if that <laughs> wasn't a good job application, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> But that's I Love Gold. There really isn't a lot to say. I think that they're going to push for Austin Butler um, when the time comes. But Mackenzie, you have something that I almost forgot about. Yeah, I think I don't even know the official name, but I know it's like the Mid-Season Critics Circle Awards, I think, question mark. Um, the Ponzi Awards for best scene. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like a mid-season. You know, I don't know how serious people it's take It's the Hollywood Critics of, Association. Yeah, like I, and it's a mid-season thing, so it's a kind of a interesting to me a barometer of where people are at right now um where critics might be landing right now i don't know how much people use this as a barometer for the oscars but elvis did pick up quite a few nominations including best picture and best director no best actor um but i think that that performance is be growing more with word of mouth but uh you know cool to see elvis up there with some best picture ideas so who knows and they may win those we don't know so maybe we'll up we could update people if uh Elvis ends up taking anything home. Who could say? Who could say? But I Not think me. it's safe to say that we will be championing this movie uh, in a few categories. Uh, best Absolutely. best Tom Hanks performance of 2022. I think it has it locked down. Between this and, <laughs> and Pinocchio, I think that this movie has that locked down. So. <laughs> All right. So that's I Love Gold. The Ellen Parsons Project is the way we keep track of how our movies link to the Austin Powers series. And in a stunning last minute, photo finish elvis <laughs> was technically on the wheel as linking to the yes. austin powers movies but how does it link it links through the producer toby emmerich who also gives us the unfortunate hobbit trilogy uh key oh. and peele's feature debut keanu and dwayne Ooh. johnson's rampage which is one of my most <clears throat> wanted watches to be real i love um, them so there's that a uh, gary archer in the makeup department also gives us uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi if we want um, he also did the dental oh so he does dental prosthetics so he just did Black Adam the great the harder they fall last year respect Ooh, the Aretha Franklin bio biopic One Night in Miami the amazing film and uh, I, Tanya, Ready Player oh One, Ready Player One which also links through Steve and many many others so that's cool wow. uh, in the sound department Tammy Treadwell returns I know we've We've seen her in a bunch of different places. She also gives us Game Night Oblivion and uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which if it's on the wheel, uh, I am removing it. <laughs> Hold on. There you are. You're over there. 
I thought you forgot something. You tried. You tricked me. Look at you. We have a you over there, our bestie Ty, um, who, as I said last week, I've been waiting on bated breath for this voicemail. Ty was giving <laughs> a shit about it for so long, and then went in. Um, as we said last week, loving the movie. So excited to hear what Ty has to say. Hey, ADP, uh, skipping the uh, roundtable this week because um, I just want to talk about the the movie. Um, yeah, I uh, I really I just want to send my sincerest apologies to both of you <laughs> for for just talking crap about this movie for so long. I mean, the trailer was terrible. Um, it, the movie is so much better. Uh, I thought it was amazing. It was wild and and crazy, and it really felt like an Elvis movie. More than a movie about Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was great. Austin Butler, yes. fantastic. Uh, would not be mad if he walked away with, with best actor for this year. Um, but, yeah, wow. So great. Um, only thing, just Tom, uh, Tom Hanks doing his best <laughs> That's not gold that. member impression while also <laughs> dressed up as Fat Bastard just <laughs> didn't really do it for me. That's why you love um, him. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't that's know right. if he's still affected by COVID, but <laughs> insane performance by him. Oh Made no sense to me at all. But let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about Austin Butler yes. becoming, just truly transforming into Elvis. It was it was fantastic. I love this. Um, yeah, it was great. Four stars from me. Um, I'm probably going to see it again before it leaves theaters, but just so amazing and fun. Um, it was great. It was great. And I bawled my eyes out when they uh, ended it with the uh, real footage of, of Elvis. That's um, right. Yeah. Loved it. See y'all. Thanks, Ty. Great voice. Thank mail. you yes. so much. Um, the snowman and the show. Sorry. That's like my touchstone for him. Here comes no, Santa I Claus. Where's here comes Santa Claus? Is that next? No, I agree that that archival footage is really good. I saw some people say that like it takes them out of it. Um, and I, I agree that it kind of does that, but it was kind of heartbreaking to see how he, how he looked like literally right before he died. Yeah. I like the archival footage. I agree. I also got very emotional at that point. I was just so shocked that they put him, you know, this is such a, like to where it feels at times a little calculated, the star making Mm -hmm. nature of this movie. Um, to put him in the makeup, I was very impressed with the choice and everybody being cool about it to make him fat, even for just one beautiful glimmering instant. That was beautiful. I mean, sorry. It sounds like I'm doing a bit, but like, I'm being very sincere. I know you genuinely like like it. It really uh, was great. It was a little bit of real life in with the, you know, the cartoony Baz Luhrmann of it all. Yeah, and I can't even believe we didn't even talk about... I'm not going to say we get into it, but the costumes and the makeup for this movie are phenomenal. And I think that they they elevate the movie to to magnificent heights with the costumes and makeup and how subtly they 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 brought that makeup into Austin. Yeah, yeah it's great. L- Lerman heads, no. The production design, he goes all in. He falls into it. This movie, he spent years researching this film. It's his wifey, too. That's right. Oh, that's right. The production design is his wife, as usual. Costume, yeah. And again, real heads know this high effort stuff. This is not. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. This is not child's play. And she has taken home Academy Awards for working on Baz's films. I believe she might have won one for Moulin Rouge. So that could bode. That's another I love gold that could bode very high. Oh, fair uh, enough. A a costumes award for for Captain Martin. All sorts of technical stuff 
I think is, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. a cinch. But, we'll but especially see. her, she. I feel like she's won before, and they they love her. We'll see. We'll see. And she's amazing. So yes, <laughs> true. Um, definitely going to win the Austin Award for best Tom Hanks performance of 2022. Though I think again that's a lock. Absolutely. All right. There he was. He was over there, and he is there no longer, which means one thing and one thing only left to do before we say goodnight. We get to roll again, baby. The wheel is rolling out. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Chairman of the board. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I rolled my 22, and it's chairman of the board. (laughs) That's the Carrot Top movie, right? This is the movie that... (laughs) First Howard Stern and now Carrot Top. Am I being tortured by the fucking wheel right now? uh, You put this on the wheel. And I was like, do you know what this movie is? And you said, you said no. Now, I've never seen this movie, but people remember it as the Carrot Top movie. And it's also the movie that the the love interest was on Conan O'Brien. And Norm MacDonald called the movie Box Office Poison. While she sat there trying to sell it to Conan. The f- header photo on Letterboxd is my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> it is the scariest photo of any human I've ever seen in my fucking life. If you want to be terrified, everybody, go to chairman of the board on Letterboxd. You know, um, I'm as I load it up right now, I, w- I just want to say, never doubt the wheel. Because this is as different as it gets, really, from Elvis. Oh, my God. <laughs> that photo is so scary. Oh, my God. Oh my. Folks, it's streaming on Tubi. <laughs> Folks, we have it on Tubi for free. It will cost you $0 to watch Chairman of the Board. I'm going to pass out. I'm laughing so hard. I hate this I for us. 1.3 average on Letterboxd. Uh, of the people... We know who have this logged. Foxtrot Bebop on the Bat and Spider Discord has it seen, no review, and that's it. <laughs> I was about to say, I have, I have nothing. I have no one that has seen this movie. Um, one of my one of my letterbox friends here, uh, what, half star, not worthy of being called a film. How did how did we get here? How how did how are we at this juncture in our lives? <laughs> Here's why you put it on the wheel. I know. I regret it. I have immediate regret. If you can't hear that in my voice, it's I, on Tubi, everybody. I can't believe we're about to do chairman of the board. What do you think the odds are that I'm going to watch that at one time speed? It's low. <laughs> the chances are low. Oh my fucking hell. Oh my I god. I cannot believe we're watching this movie. Between this and private parts, I think I'm gonna just die. I think it'll be a little better than private parts. I hope so. But honestly, in the past I've gotten in trouble about being excited about picks. Um <laughs> This movie uh, folks, don't watch this movie. Come back next Monday and listen, listen to, to us, us suffer roast through it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to spend my July 4th weekend honoring this country that I l- hate. Drop that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited to spend the long weekend with Carrot Top. It's going to be great. 
Um, that woman left Melrose Place to make chairman of the board um, because her agent should have been fired. And if you want to revel in our terrible, terrible lives that we now lead while watching chairman of the board, you can email us at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tell us about Elvis, if you end up seeing it second weekend and want to tell us how you feel, we would love that palate cleanser after we watch this godforsaken yeah. movie. Um, if you want to tell us about Austin, if you want to talk about chairman of the board for some reason, um, or maybe let us know some movies that you really want us to cover. Cause there might be some fun opportunities to bend the will, the wheel to our will, possibly. That's I don't know. right. Teasing it out, teasing it out. Let us know if there's any movies you really want to see. Uh, and that's, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my mind officially. Norm McDonald said it best. I bet bored is spelled B-O-R-E-D. There we go. But next week, Carrot Top, chairman of the board. But until then, from Mackenzie, this is Kev. Also Nature Podcast, peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening. Okay. No, that was terrible. That was one of the worst <laughs> transitions of all time. Okay. Okay. What am I? Okay. You know what? You know what? That's like that's like the Donkey Kong sixty four menu guy. Okay. Fucking what? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Ko. Elvis tries to file the fi- fucking Jesus. <clears throat> And Austin Powers, fucking no. He's always on your mind. I'm going to try it. Dijon. Oh. Perhaps. Dijon mustard. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> Miss uh, Mustard. Is he dead? Or is Jim no, I, th- I believe. Pause for editing. Pause for editing because Jim Pause Broadbent dead. Pause for editing. Oh my Jim God. Broadbent Did I just alive? say, bring him back, baby. Jim bring him Broadbent back from the dead. At, at 73 years old, Jim Broadbent is alive and well. <sighs> Fuck me. Thank God. Okay. The big ones. I mean, I had like a, a thought that maybe it could just be for you um, or the blooper reel. Um, I thought it was like kind of weird. I don't think this would be its own point, but I do want to tell you. I wonder if you noticed like Baz is like frenetic directing like Wayne so much by the end of the movie. I don't know. I felt like it was like it starts so big and it gets so small. And part of me doesn't like that. But part of me is like, is he trying to reflect Elvis's hell? I'm sure. Right, that has to be on. Purpose. I just thought that was interesting. I have I to know. watch Maybe it. Maybe for the blooper reel. <laughs> I have to watch it again. That's interesting. I just like felt like it was getting like very slow by the end, and not in a bad way. But I was like, this feels more chill than 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 like you know Ferris wheels spinning in Austin Butler's pupils. Oh my god! And here's another thing that Star Trek shit. I thought that was like, you know, the hotel could have been seen from a window, and Star Trek: The Experience was in Las Vegas at that time. Mm-hmm. But no, he included it to say that all, that uh, Elvis and the Colonel went where no man has gone before, and some imagery there. I'm like, this man is insane. There was also that moment where, when Parker's walking up to Elvis and Elvis is leaning against the thing, that they frame his face with the poster of the geek at the. Yeah, room. that was beautiful. I was like, 
it's just telling us immediately like what happened to Elvis with that poster in like two seconds. It was amazing. That's great. That is really good. And that is going to be good for the blooper reel or whatever. <laughs> blooper reel, you get extra content. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> this here's is our some... new home. We live back here now. <laughs> before we, before we, three little things I want to say before we love. I loved, what the fuck am I saying? <laughs> there you go. Welcome. <laughs> now you know what it's like.